0: Welcome to Indigenous Health Realized. I'm your host, Claire Zarule. Today is January 15th, 2020. I would like to start off today's podcast by acknowledging that this is being recorded on the traditional unceded territories of the Algonquin Nation. In this first episode, we will be discussing some of the root causes of inequity in Indigenous health and what is required for the health and wellness of Indigenous Canadians to be realized. According to public health experts, medical practitioners are finding success treating Indigenous patients when they go beyond traditional medicine and take into consideration the larger social, political and historical issues and dynamics that are often at the root of Indigenous health disparities. This five-part series explores the deterioration that has been caused by historical colonization and current paternal government policies, and closing the gap in health outcomes between Indigenous peoples and the rest of Canadians. That Indigenous individuals and communities must be active participants in their own health care. Before we do a deep dive in today's topic, let me tell you about some of the fascinating issues we will explore in this series. You won't want to miss episode 2, where we talk to international experts on indigenous health. One of our esteemed guests, Dr. Magwabi, will walk us through the significance of the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples and how this celebrated document has helped to pave a path for indigenous healing towards health and well-being. This historical milestone is the crowning achievement of a long history of developing international human rights standards. This declaration reconciles the painful histories of indigenous cultures and the trauma of ruthless European colonization practices. With this piece of paper in hand, indigenous Canadians can march towards better health. In episode two, we talked to Edith Wilson an indigenous elder who practices traditional medicines. Edith blesses us with smudging. She tells us first-hand accounts of community members who have come to her for healing when modern medicine has failed to them. Her patients seek out her knowledge, often in desperation because all else has failed and their body is riddled with sickness and disease. Edith learned from her grandmother about the healing powers of vital medicinal plants, animals, and minerals. Before the declaration, Edith practiced her craft in secret with patients learning of her healing through word and mouth. The UN DRIP gives Indigenous peoples the right to access, without any discrimination, all social and health services necessary to maintain health. Edith will tell us, how she helped a young mother struggling with depression and diabetes reach the highest attainable standard of physical and mental health and fully realize the rights protected in the UN Declaration. In episode three, you are in for a real treat. We will talk with the celebrated Canadian author, Katharina Vermette. As well as being an addictive page turner, her latest best selling book, The Break, is a case study of how three generations of women regain control of their destinies by choosing health and wellness over isolation and depression. Vermette shares with us new insights into the lives of the incredible woman in her her book and how they came together to turn a terrible tragedy into a catalyst for change. Vermette is truly inspirational. She has such a deep knowledge of the human soul You will hang on her every word as she provides clues towards regaining indigenous health and wellness. Vermette will update listeners about where Stella is today and how far she has come from her struggles as a young mother isolated from her ancestral home. In the break, Stella faced an emotional physical breakdown from the trauma of her mother's violent death. Vermette shares what happened when Stella left the city and moved back to her home community where she founded a refuge for her young mother to pursue a distinctive spiritual relationship with their traditional lands and resources. And in episode four, we do a systems check of how we as Canadians are doing to support Indigenous health. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission tasked Canadians with 94 calls to action. A whopping seven of the calls to action are on the health to-do list. We are fortunate to have Chairman Murray St. Clair talked to us to give us a report card on how well Canadians have done in addressing the legacy of residential schools, and what exactly, if anything, has been done to advance the process of reconciliation with Indigenous peoples in Canada. This interview is not a feel-good talk. In fact, the episode should send chills up your spine, as Senator St. Clair delivers a dire warning to all Canadians. In no uncertain terms, Senator St. Clair warns of a violent rebellion to come if Indigenous rights continue to be oppressed. In his frank interview, he talks of the continued mistreatment of Indigenous peoples and how Canada is literally holding a gun to the heads of Indigenous children. The bullets killing Indigenous children are poverty, poor education, uncaring child welfare, lack of nutritionist food, lack of clean water, and overcrowded, inadequate housing. The need for immediate change is strong and Senator St. Clair speaks from the heart and from a lifetime of wisdom and experience. Looking back on his career as a judge in the criminal family courts, Senator St. Clair describes the injustices of judicial system and how young indigenous men like Thomas Moran find reconciliation in alternate indigenous justice models. Senator St. Clair's eyes were full of tears as he recounts young Thomas's thirst for spirituality and healing. Unfortunately, racism and discrimination found Thomas in the criminal system again, and this time he was the subject to prescribed punishment, which impeded restorative justice. You must stay tuned for our last and final episode, which I am calling our episode of hope. You will be rewarded for sticking through the gloom and despair of the root causes of diseases and desperation plaguing indigenous communities. This final episode focuses on the light at the end of the tunnel that can be found through a rediscovery of indigenous healing practices. Through personal responsibility and social supports, good healthcare can be regained. It is a long hard road away from decades of social structures that perpetuate inequity discrimination and disease. It will take more than government funding for Western-style health care delivery to heal Indigenous communities. The first step is the acknowledgement that traditional healing methods have successfully worked for hundreds of years. With social and family support, Indigenous individuals can take personal responsibility for their own health outcomes. We will talk to Indigenous women and men who have personally walked through the depths of a health crisis and have emerged into the light of good health using Indigenous wellness practices. Now back to today's episode about the deterioration that has been caused by historical colonization and current paternal government policies and to closing the gap in health outcomes between Indigenous Peoples and the rest of Canadians. How Indigenous individuals and in communities must be active participants in their own health care. Now, what is the secret to good health, long life and happiness? Is it even possible in today's world? How are health and our societal social structures related? These are some of the questions that we will be asking the experts who are our guests on today's episode. It is important to consider an Indigenous perspective when trying to understand the underlying causes of the healthcare gap. There is a strong connection between loss of Indigenous culture and community and the existence of addictions, mental illness and chronic diseases. Studies have shown that when Indigenous individuals leave their traditional community and move to the city that they are more likely to suffer from lifestyle diseases as a result of poor diet, low physical activity, overcrowding, and poor housing conditions and pollution. Decades of insufficient government funding for health technology and data is the result of racism and health delivery that ignores cultural differences, indigenous languages and isolated patients from community. It is widely understood that isolation from indigenous identity has a negative effect on health and well-being. When I was sick last summer with bronchitis, I was surrounded by my family. I rested in a quiet room in a comfortable bed. My mom brought me healthy food to eat, but most of all, my family was there to comfort me. As soon as my body was healed, I was not alone. I was cared for and loved. I can't imagine being sick and being, not being supported by social networks that I trusted. This is what Indigenous people face every day in Canada. It is discrimination and racism that prevents wellness and the attainment of health. And sometimes it is simply lack of understanding that Indigenous people know what they need to flourish and it is not Western ways, it is tried and tested Indigenous traditions. Despite the serious health issues, Indigenous people continue to strive for wellness based on Indigenous knowledge and holistic concept of health. An example is the need for community-based health services and health programs to increase Indigenous health. To reach wellness, Indigenous people seek a balance of four elements of wellness, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. These elements are found in community traditions and strong family ties. Closing the gap between Indigenous health outcomes and the rest of Canada can be done by allowing Indigenous people to take control of their own health, supported by an increase in governmental funding and programming based on Indigenous perspectives. We can all contribute to the health and wellness of our community by being supportive, respectful, showing understanding, and most of all, by being kind. Until next episode, this is Claire's Rule signing off on Indigenous Health Realized. Be well, and Meg Wetch.